This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. I'm excited about this chat today because I can hardly believe this. We're so excited to share with you in celebration of the release of our 100th podcast, Pitching Powerhouse. We are sharing 20 pieces of advice from you, the members of our community, and what I've experienced in my life and my career. I love being a mentor to other PR pros, and I'm so proud of this incredible community that we have built together. And every single day, our amazing community members, the people that are here um, in our group, post advice um, or asking for help on challenges that they're facing in their agencies. And the really cool thing about our community is that we all pitch in to help them. So we've had some really incredible and valuable discussions over the years. So we also reached out to our community members to hear their best pieces of PR advice or entrepreneurial advice that they've gotten over the years. And the, uh, these PR pros come from all walks of life, all niches, all over the world. We have uh, you know, many, many international people that are part of our amazing community, and they are also members of our program. So you know that they're committed to supporting all PR pros. So I have compiled advice from our community and the career tips that I wish that I had known when I started my business. So we are going to dive into the 16 pieces of PR advice that have impacted our community the most, plus four career tips that I'm sharing with you that I wish I knew at the start of my career. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due and attribute back to the original member who said this uh, revelation or shared their advice. So we are starting with Katie Sinclair and the PR advice that she shared is authenticity always resonates the most. It might repel some people along the way, but more importantly, it attracts the right clients and the right team members to your business. And I could not agree more, Katie. Um, It's interesting, many years back, I wrote an article on LinkedIn that went viral. And viral on LinkedIn is like hundreds of thousands of views and clicks and, you know, 6,000 comments. Um, Really cool to have my work shared far and wide, but the story was called, I'm a mom, sorry, I'm not sorry. And it tied back to this, especially that um, I had a friend that asked me, you know, you're really out there with the fact that you're a mom. Don't you worry that potential clients are going to see that as a negative, you know, that you're busy or distracted or that they're not the top focus because you're focused on your kids. And my response was, sorry, I'm not sorry. This is genuinely who I am. And if clients have a problem with that, they're not for me and I'm not for them. And exactly like Katie said, when you are yourself, you put yourself out there. Yeah, the right 
uh, clients are going to find you and you might repel some people, but it's going to be a magnet to attract what you need and what you want in your business because you're being your authentic self and it's like people can take it or leave it. And if they leave it, they're not for you. So I love that, Katie. Thanks for sharing. Next up is Ashley. Ashley Martinez said, take the time to build relationship. The work is more fun and you're more likely to secure wins for clients when you have a meaningful relationship with the media and other stakeholders. And I love this. I love Ashley's perspective on this too, about the fact that it's more fun. Um, I've never really mentioned that in the terms of making relationships, building relationships. Um, it's always about, in the advice that we share, about a better opportunity to add value to their readers, to add value to your clients. So niche down, get to know the key players in your field. But she's right. It just makes work more fun. It's almost like you're choosing your coworkers. You're choosing the people that you get to interact with. And so you make these connections. You kind of uh, connect on a personal and a deeper level, and you make it more about this relationship that is um, give and take and uh, supportive and adding value both ways. And then you're kind of pitching your friends. You're having a good time uh, leveraging these connections that you've made that feel more personal. So I love that perspective of adding the fun. And it's all about building those relationships. We uh, recommend going on social media, sharing articles, tagging the key players in your industry, um, offering up resources that aren't even your client, um, just really showing an appreciation for their work. And they do notice. So thank you, Ashley. I could not agree more with that great piece of advice. So next up, I have Jen Flanagan. And she said, PR skills are transferable to so many different industries and career opportunities. Also, PR varies from industry to industry. So keep going if your first niche isn't the best fit for you. And I would like to add to what Jen said about PR skills being transferable. Um, most of you probably know I started my career as an attorney and I was a civil litigator. And I get asked a lot, like, well, how did you go from law to PR? It just seems so out of left field. And it really isn't. It's the skills that make you a great storyteller, make you a compelling, um, make compelling arguments. You take the same set of facts, the details, the information available to you, and you position it in a way to best communicate the outcome that you want. That's what litigation is. It's not like on TV where there's the smoking gun and everybody's like, aha, you know, you didn't know about this document. It, in litigation, there's discovery and both sides request documents. And when you're very thorough in discovery, everyone has access to all the same stuff. You get to depose people. You have the questions you've asked. You're just taking all those facts and you are... Um, you're pulling it together in a way where you're positioning your story, your um, argument to be the most compelling. So either a judge sides with you, a jury, a jury, a mediator, an arbitrator, um, anybody would side with you to uh, see that you're 
uh, positioning and telling of the facts is the best version of it. And that's what PR is. It's the same thing. It's taking everything about your client's business, all of their uh, products, their founder story, um, ingredients or services or features and benefits, all the things that can help set them uh, apart from others in the market or get a journalist to see that the story that you put together is um, the most interesting way to take all of these facts and kind of fit your client into it. So I love Jen's telling of PR skills being transferable and just to keep going. So if you hit a niche and you don't love it, I started doing fashion PR, did not love it. I don't love tracking samples. I don't love dealing with sizes and seasons. Um, P, uh, fashion also had like a weird, they were always behind from, um, uh, customers on payment. And so we were always getting paid late and I didn't, I don't like that. I want to know that I'm getting paid and the work we're doing is appreciated right off the bat. I did not. And the budgets were a little lower. So I didn't love fashion PR, but what we were focused on in terms of honing our skills translated to our other niches, which are baby and kids, beauty and cosmetics and lifestyle. So keep at it. Like Jen says, couldn't agree more. And next up, I have Morgan Canslini Mitchell. And she said, the biggest lesson I've learned in my career in PR is that it's okay to get a no. Couldn't agree with that any more than I, because if you don't ask, you're not going to get a yes. But especially nowadays, she says, there are so many media op um, options and opportunities for clients. I used to dread hearing no, but that's a hundred percent part of the job. It's just about how you can pivot and adapt to get your client the most coverage in spaces that make sense. Outlets that your clients want to be featured in may not make the most sense for them in terms of sales. Being clear about that is key. So clients don't always know where their ideal targets are. Um, we had members say that they secured multiple features for their client in Forbes. And the client was like, we're not getting any sales from it. And that's not really what Forbes is for. You know, you're not really connecting with your target audience in Forbes. That's more of a, uh, you know, kind of feather in your cap business wise. And it's not all, and the client really wanted it to be in Forbes. So it's not always that they know best. And it's not always that the publications that they want to be in are the right fit. And to um, focus back on what Morgan said, you cannot get the yes unless you ask. And you have to keep in mind the worst thing they can say is no, but they're not going to say yes unless you ask. So no or no response becomes a very key part of what it is that we do. You have to get comfortable with that. Um, and that's what we tell ourselves with editors, that they are looking for something very specific. Um, you never know. It could be your affiliate program. It could be your commission payout. It could be something you just don't even, it has nothing to do with your client's product or your relationships. It's just a very specific thing that they are looking for. So you never know, just keep at it and try because if you don't try, you don't get a yes. And the worst they can say is no. Um, Hannah Bjorndal said, building relationships is the best marketing strategy and it takes time, effort, and genuine care for others to achieve this. She stressed genuine and I will stress it too. It's 
very transparent if you're just in it for yourself. If you're trying to build relationships by asking before you give, by asking to take before you give. Um, that's why it takes a while to build connections, deep, deepen relationships um, before you ever go for the ask. You know, because then you know exactly what they're looking for and you can offer up something that meets their needs. So focus on building those genuine relationships. Natasha Dressler, she said, you need to have an amazing contract that outlines everything imaginable, including the payment schedule, late fees, behavioral clauses, termination clauses, and national and local laws. And then she says, Jen's contract is the best with four exclamation points. And inside of our agency accelerator, it's a resource that we share as part of the program. And we walk through um, why we include certain things. But that contract is based on now my 19 years of experience, things that have come up in my business that we want to protect against. We want to protect you against these possibilities. That's what contracts are. It's just, if this happens, you're protected. If that happens, here's the outcome. If this thing is breached, this is the steps that will be taken. Um, so you can't mention specifically, like, don't pin me down to a number because it's out of our control. We don't know. We just don't know. And if a, cl a client pushes you for that, um, you have to push back because you cannot commit to a certain guaranteed number of placements. And you also are not responsible for sharing your media contacts. That's in our contract. That's proprietary. That's confidential. It's intellectual property. And just because a client retains you, they don't get to see your media list. Do not you know, share that because they'll just take it and cut you out of the mix. They'll give it to some intern and think they can do it themselves. So no. But if you're interested in our contract, it is just one of the very many resources we offer in Agency Accelerator. And we just get you buttoned up right out of the gate. Next up, Andrea Holland. And she said, being an honest, transparent human goes a long way. In a world of external reputation management, client management, and media management, it's sometimes easy to get carried away with over-promising and people-pleasing. And Andrea says, I've learned that always being authentic, even when the news is not favorable or the stakes are high, has helped clients and media gain trust in me and work with me again. That is fantastic advice. And I think that we have seen some companies handle things very poorly and they're not transparent. They are not authentic. They don't own up and take responsibility. Um, they don't give a plan for how they're gonna handle certain situations. And not only do the consumer or the media very much dislike that, but consumers note it and they say like, we don't want to align ourselves with that company anymore because our values don't align. Um, you know, telling people what they want to hear is not the best course of action. You want to be honest. You want to be open and transparent because that honesty builds trust, even if it's not what the client wants to hear, um, even if it's not, you know, what the media wants to hear. Like you might have offered up a, 
a sample and the client doesn't really have access to those and you have to go back to the journalist, you have to be honest about it. I mean, there are people that I have seen say, oh, it got lost in UPS land. And it's like, did it really? UPS can track a package and tell you literally what corner of the truck it is sitting on. If you try to blame it on UPS, that only goes so far. And I know somebody that did that for many, many, many months, and it came back to bite them in the butt. They just weren't sending the things that were being asked of them. And it was very problematic. And I haven't seen it since then, but it was it was a problem. So be open and honest if things change. Own it, take ownership, and that trust will help you build those relationships. Sarah Mason said, teaching clients about the media is critical to managing, expectation, uh, managing expectations. Two reality checks that come up often are that journalists don't need to correct something that is not factually inaccurate and that the links are not always included in the stories. Or I would add that the links are not always going to be what your client wants to link to. Um, they're going to link to, let's say, an affiliate opportunity that's going to generate more revenue. Um, maybe the client wants them to link to their website, but they're going to link to Amazon. Maybe they don't link at all. We will have clients that say, can you ask them to include this link? And it's like, no. And to build on what Sarah said, the only things that you can go back to a journalist and ask them to change is something that is incorrect. If it is factually inaccurate, so that could be the price, it could be a certain detail about a product, it could be the size, it could be the spelling of the name or the position of the person. But if you provided that information that was inaccurate to begin with, that's going to come back to bite you in the butt as well. So make sure before you pitch the media, you have complete comprehensive information and everything in the pitch is accurate and also final. So if your client is going to change the price of something after the fact and you've already pitched it for that price, that is going to come back as a poor reflection on you. And just know these days we haven't had the ability like we used to to fact check before stories go live. So when clients ask you to change something, they want to correct it you have to tell them that that is just not possible. You are not going to risk your relationship because we as PR pros, we know better. So make sure that clients understand how media works and that they're not able to just be like, can you just change that for me? The answer is no, unless it's a mistake. And Nikki Taylor said, the biggest lesson I've learned is to never, yes, never burn bridges with previous clients. Oh my God, am I shocked at how many people do this. Um, just because in that season they did not want to renew their contract with you doesn't mean they're dissatisfied with your work. Sometimes businesses just aren't ready yet for the exposure that PR will, PR will bring them. Be patient, respect their decision, and don't burn that bridge. I did this, and now I, I've had a, P, a previous PR client return to me um, for my services. And I highly recommend not burning bridges, always seeking to end on a positive note if it's possible. So we've had clients that will have time left on their contract. And if it's just not going well, we'll let them move on without having to stick with the, the last two months. Like we can tell that the media is just not 
the story's not resonating, the products aren't resonating, there's not, they don't have their ducks in a row. We will say, let's pause, and when you're ready to come back, we're here for you. And the other key is that clients move on. I have had my very best clients, my highest retainers, my billion dollar clients have all come from relationships with past clients that have moved on to different companies. I have one that is now um, co-CEO of um, Savage by Fenty. She was a former client at a beauty company and from that person I got so much work and it was a bummer when we didn't get to work with each other anymore and I didn't let it get me down in terms of them feeling that we weren't doing a great job. I just focused on parting ways in the most favorable way possible so that they could go off into the world and have a positive experience about working with our company. And that has paid off in leads and referrals and, you know, it, and then possibly I've had clients that have gone on to other things and come back. But, um, you just never know, you know, and uh, it's also just stressful when you're like, Ugh, forget that person. And you you harbor this this grudge that doesn't benefit anybody. So um, love that advice, Nikki. That is so smart. Um, and I couldn't stress that anymore. Just, you know, have team members. The other thing when I said I can't believe how many people do this, how many people that have worked for me? that have just burned that bridge. And it's shocking to me too, because I mean, through this community, I have access to, you know, we have like probably 30, 35,000 people between our email list, our communities, social media, and all that. For those people to not say, wow, you know, this is a potential source of leads and referrals. Um, I just am shocked that people would be so willing to burn a bridge that could potentially help build their business. I've had a lot of shocking things happen in the last almost 19 years. So um, the next up is Kaylee Sheerant, and she said, rejection is not fatal. It sucks, but it's part of the game. There's plenty I can do to minimize my chances of being rejected. But sometimes even the most amazing product and the most thoughtful and well-planned pitch just isn't what they're looking for. And that's okay. And I want to expand on, the, expand on this a bit too. You're not, like I said, you're not going to get the yes unless you ask. And the worst you can do is get the no. And sure, rejection sucks, but reaching out and going for that yes is the most important part. And just to remind you, if you really want to hone your pitching skills and give yourself that best chance of landing press placements, we recommend the Pitch Lab. Uh, you're going to get monthly execution plans. You are going to get PR um, advice and timely, relevant, targeted story topics. Um, don't If you don't ask for the yes, you're never going to get it. And back to Brandy Sims here. She said, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that relationships must be at the core of everything you do. Have you noticed a theme here? We've had at least four pieces of advice so far about relationships um, to have a successful career in PR. It's not just about image or expertise. It's about connections. Coming from the corporate space, it can be a challenge to build relationships beyond the accepted transactional style. 
By allowing myself to truly represent who I am in building connections, I've opened the door for more thoughtful connections and valuable relationships. Themes here, you're seeing relationships, authenticity, connection, adding value. Core, core, core lessons that will benefit you no matter where you are and you've been in PR since the 90s or me 19 years or somebody just starting out those are the fundamentals they are not going anywhere Lindsay Walker said the biggest lesson I've learned since I started my career in PR is longevity requires transparency and the ability to pivot you can't get caught up in what was working or what used to get clients and placements you must stay ahead of the curve pay attention to trends and be honest about where you are and where you want to be and i think a lot of people run around panicked like chicken little the sky is falling media is dying our careers are obsolete and it you know media folding the launch of digital the launch of social media, and now with AI, this is what everybody is saying. And yes, things change. Like Lindsay's saying, you have to stay on top of things and try to evolve as the industry evolves. And that's why we're here. Um, that is what we are presenting to you are the things that we need to know about, we have to incorporate into our businesses. It's a lot, you know, it's definitely a lot. When I raised my hand and I said, I wanna support this community as much as I possibly can, that meant I was committing to staying on top of all of these trends, things that evolve, helping us navigate that, helping our clients, helping you help your clients navigate that. So it's a lot, but I will say by you being here, by you being in our programs, by you connecting with other members of the Powerhouse Pros community, you're already ahead of the game. You're already staying on top of the trends. Great advice, Lindsay. Um, Chrissy Bernal said, the biggest lesson I've learned is to remember you're interacting with a human. Whether it's a celebrity, a producer, or a journalist, they're people just like we are. An influencer, um, a big, CEO of a big company, they're people just like we are. And I would say back in the day um, with editors, I would put them on a pedestal. I always wanted to be a beauty publicist since I was a little, not a beauty publicist, uh, a beauty editor since I was a, a little kid. I loved beauty and cosmetics. I would go in my mom's beauty cabinet and take the blue La Femme eyeshadow and smear it all over. And I'm like, aren't I great? And my mom's like, what have you done? Um, I still have my teen magazines. I still have my 17 magazines from when I was a kid. And I looked at those beauty editors like they were gods. And when I first started, I was fearful of connecting because I put them on a pedestal. I didn't view them as people. I viewed them as these like, you know, all powerful gatekeepers that could make or break my career. And it meant that I was overthinking pitches. It meant that I wasn't interacting in my own genuine way because I was a little bit on edge and fearful of saying the wrong thing or, you know, uh, like stepping out of my role and, you know, as the lowly publicist and not like praising to the editorial gods. Um, what I have come to realize is that they're putting out work into the world. They want people to respect it and appreciate it. When you connect with their work and you show them that, they really appreciate that. And like Chrissy says, 
interact like they're people just like we are um, and it brings down that that level of fear and um, that sort of distance that you might present yourself that's not actually there. So really good advice, Chrissy. Um, Damia Doggett said, by far the biggest lesson I've learned in my public relations journey is to pivot. And I think we can all picture Ross on the stairs and friends yelling, pivot. Uh, PR, it's an ever-changing industry. And if you're not on top of trends, new service offerings and industry standards, you will get lost. Pivoting has helped my business stay afloat over the past six years of being an entrepreneur. Well, Demia, congratulations on six years of running your own business. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, I'm so glad that you're feeling that success and absolutely pivoting is a huge part of what will keep us ahead of the competition, keep us um, the best service providers to our clients because we're helping them navigate the changes, the things that are happening in our industry. And we want you to stay ahead of all of these different um, changes and, and things that you'll need to pivot in your business. So we put together our 2024 PR trend report. We have put together a trend report the past few years. This is one of our most popular things that people download. Uh, that will help you also. We, we sort of do our research and anticipate what is going to be hot. So we put this out before the end of the year. Um, but this is what we are projecting for 2024 trends. Grab it. Um, Monica Romero said, following up is critical. Media hits rarely land over one email. Follow up and storm the castle, meaning email, phone, text, or whatever way you have of reaching the editor, writer, or producer. I landed a live major TV spot for a client after three months of follow up. Banish the false belief that you're bugging them. Keep following up and be tenacious. It does pay off. Yes. Could not agree more. Oh my God, I'm like with you. This one is so important because we do have that fear of being annoying and bugging them. It's all in how you pursue it. Um, we also had Tia in our community landed a massive feature for a client that took so long and so many yeah, it's coming, we're, you know, blah, 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 and just pushed it off and pushed it off and pushed it off. And ultimately, this incredible, massive feature came out for her client that I think took like more than six months. And every time she followed up, it just seemed like the editor went radio silent. She's like, where is she? I'm like, well, she said it was a yes. So let's just, just keep at it. And it was so worth it. In my agency, Generation PR, we probably land... I would say 95% of our coverage in the follow-up. In the follow-up, never the initial pitch. Barely hearing really anything, or if you do hear something on that initial pitch, it is them asking for more information, and then they sort of go radio silent, and then you have to do that follow-up. So yeah, you might hear something on the initial pitch, and then if they sort of disappear after you've sent the follow-up information, it's not over. Like Monica said, it is critical, follow up however you can and make that little seed of interest convert to a feature. 
Lisa Humphrey said, I've learned that the nature of some people in this industry is extremely selfish and that they only care about how my pitch benefits them. I've learned to adjust, but not change. I've never conformed and I've stayed true to my authentic self by killing them with kindness and giving more grace than allowed. You've got to pivot and never give up. I've learned to stay focused on the prize of landing media and events for my clients, not get caught up in the smoke and mirrors and coach them to be their very best selves. Um, to expand on what Lisa said too, we have typically seen in our industry people being very close to the vest with their contacts and their know-how and their secret sauce. And I never liked that. I never, I never um, felt like anyone had my back, you know, like somebody was looking after me and somebody was a mentor or that I could turn to or that I had a community that felt the way I did where we, I was like, whatever I know how to do, I want to help people so that they don't make the mistakes I made or so that they can get results faster. That feeling of like, selfishness, that's a scarcity mindset. It's if I give you any advantage whatsoever, it's going to be to my detriment. And I'm so lucky um, that this community has all found each other. We all have that same approach of community over competition. Let's collaborate. Let's help each other. Let's save each other time and effort and, and just make each other better. So Lisa, I couldn't agree more. I don't keep saying that, but I, you know, I love that advice and I um, hope that, um, you know, if you can find a way to help anybody, share a resource, it just know it comes back to you. Um, and that's really good advice. Okay, now, y'all, I have four pieces of advice that are mine. And when I sat down to come up with these to round out the 20, in celebration of our 100th episode of the Powerhouse Pitching Powerhouse podcast, I repeated a lot of what others had already said. So I tried to focus on things that were new and different, um, but you have heard these from me before. So the number one piece of advice when dealing with clients is to align everyone's expectations right off the bat. Make sure their expectations are aligned with not only what you expect could happen or what you're aiming for, but what is realistically possible. Getting on the same page is the key to having satisfied clients. They shouldn't be hiring you hoping that you can pull off a miracle. And if they are, that's when you have to give it to them straight. That's when you, you know, can't overpromise on the sales call and under deliver because it's just not realistically possible what they're looking for. So get on the same page, ensure that expectations align with what you expect is going to happen and what's realistic. And they'll be happy when those things come to fruition versus feeling like, oh, it's not enough. So get them squared away right out of the gate. And that's how you have satisfied clients. Um, my second bit of advice, I stress this all the time, I am a huge proponent of niching down in your agency. You have to find your niche 
to find success. And as soon as I started leaning into being an expert in the niches that my agency focuses on, our profitability tripled. And the other side impact was that the quality and caliber of the clients was massively improved and they sought us out. So niche down, choose an expertise or two or three, hopefully some that align with the contacts you would make connections with. And people will pay more for a true expert. They will pay more. You know, if you're going to have heart surgery, would you go to like a family you know, a family practitioner? No, you go to a heart surgeon and you pay whatever it costs because you want the best outcome, right? So you want to be the go-to authority and our profitability tripled. We were able to increase our rates because we were getting results that these higher quality and caliber clients could see themselves getting with us also made for great case studies that just attracted our ideal clients like a magnet. So niche down. Number three that I would share is imposter syndrome never really goes away. And what ends up happening is it'll resurface again every time you're leveling up. So I've come to almost appreciate those feelings, honestly, because what it shows me is that I'm growing. And you have to accept that imposter syndrome is something that you're going to probably always experience. I don't want to say struggle with, but I would say experience because you are never going to feel 100% confident in everything, especially, like I said, when you triple your rates and you attract bigger clients. We've had people in our community say, I don't know that I have what it takes to do the work they're expecting of me. And it's like, yeah, you've already done it. It's just that they're paying more. They don't expect more. They expect what you've already shown them that you can do, that value that you've already shown them that you could provide. Um, you're fearful because now you think because you're asking for a higher rate that they expect, you know, a new, a new client coming in expects a something that you can't deliver on. But the reality is you're feeling imposter syndrome because it's something bigger that you're doing for the first time in terms of a bigger client or a, you know, something new. And it'll always be in the background, but it is important to acknowledge when you feel that way as a moment of growth, as personal and professional expansion, it's a positive. So if you feel that feeling creep up, you should switch up that mindset and reframe it as something that's empowering, not discouraging, because it shows you're growing. It shows you are not being stagnant in your career and your life. You're throwing your hat in the ring for bigger opportunities. And I think that's always a positive. So I like give myself a hug, like, way to go, Jen. That's why we always hear, you know, the stories of like Natalie Portman giving a speech at Harvard and Oprah talking about it and Maya Angelou talking with her about it. These people that are at the highest level 
saying they feel imposter syndrome. It's because they're doing things nobody's ever done before, that they've never done before. So just look at it like you are reaching new levels and reframe it as empowering. Sound good? Got one more for you. Okay, the last bit of advice, and this rounds out our top 20 in honor of our, and in celebration of our 100th episode of the Pitching Powerhouse podcast. When you know your value and you know that the results you bring will drive immense value for your clients, you can properly price your services and move completely away from an hours for dollars calculation. Clients are going to pay you based on what you show them is the value you provide. And your mindset has to shift away from how long each task will take you and instead focus on being compensated for the results you're getting and the value that you bring, which has nothing to do with the amount of time you spend working on your clients' accounts. And when I realized that and I switched to this retainer-based pricing model, my revenue increased substantially, my workload decreased, and my feelings of contentment in my business and excitement and passion for my work massively up-leveled. So you're not going to get the compensation you deserve unless you ask for it. And just focus on the value that you can bring with your PR efforts, with your relationships. And this also ties back to niching down. The more concentrated you are on your expertise, the relationships you have, the better you're able to show that client that squarely fits in that niche what you're able to potentially do for them. So um, those are the top 20, you guys. Honestly, this advice is gold. This advice is gold. Listen to this episode again, because what all of these incredible happens to be women that shared all of this advice, this advice is battle tested lessons that you learn being in this for a long time, that you learn sometimes the hard way. So um, excellent, excellent advice from members of our community. Um, all are great. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. Love you guys. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining the Pitch Lab. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out, even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune into next week 
for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.